Good evening, good evening, good evening. You're listening to another KG, Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. You're truly KG, my colleague, partner in crime, Doc. Kenyatta Cavill, how are you, sir? We're going to be shorthanded once again. Wildcat to take care of issues. So uh, just keep him in your prayers, listeners. But Doc, let's get right into it. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well, but as you said, to start off, uh, our other colleague, the Fifth Ward Wildcat, is taking care of some personal issues uh, with family. Uh, but we do want to send well wishes to what he has to deal with with the family. So, but we will be steadfast and as he's gone, um, in terms of uh, not being here right now to say something on the podcast, but we know he wants us to make sure that we bring it hot and heavy, so let's rip it. And it's it's, it's Monday night, and uh, we might as well talk about a couple of things that already ha- have taken place this evening. Women's this basketball. Big some, news. Some big news, good news for the local area teams. First and foremost, uh, Texas Southern, Lady Tigers, and Preview. Lady Panthers, or what are they, Lady Panthers, Pantherettes, I've heard them both ways. Yeah, they say uh, Lady Panthers, and most of the time what you'll find out with most programs, Division One wise particularly in the SWAC now, now they just go by Panthers. So, okay, well, see, I prefer that, so yeah. But uh, PB women won on the road, both teams won on the road in the SWAC. PB beat Valley, Mississippi Valley State, 73-70, and TSU won at Pine Bluff, 67-64, and the Better news for uh, TSU is the team they're chasing. And also, we get to we'll tie it all together. Southern lost on the road to Alabama State, 73-63. So, uh, this is hot off the press. Indeed. So, Mr. HBCU, what does that mean for the standing, sir? That means that uh, Texas Southern Tigers, uh, Lady Tigers, as some people would like to say, uh, are in first place. And they are half game ahead. This is huge because they were a game tied with them in basically a half game. The way the schedule figures out because they have played one more game right. in Texas Southern, but they were tied in a loss column. But remember, early in the season, they lost at home the head-to-head game with Southern, and they still, as of the last game of the season, have to travel to Baton Rouge. Right. So essentially – if everything stays the way it is, and even if they lose that game, at the very least, they will be tied with Southern in terms of the regular season. And the way they do it, they don't look the head-to-head. They would get a share of the championship. Correct. Um, because um, now in seeding, they would look at the head-to-head tiebreakers, and obviously Southern would win that because for that to happen, it means Southern would have beat Texas Southern. Now, not to mean that Texas Southern can't beat them in Baton Rouge, but that give you some indication here. But remember, I did tell you uh, just recently that you have the huge issue with Southern right now having a ban on all athletic sports. So this goes for not in terms of the seating at this point, Texas Southern, regardless of where they would fit in terms of where they are, it looks like they would have the number one seed since Southern uh, is not eligible to play in the tournament unless some ch- changes so has take that, place. So let's ask you that. Has that been finalized? 
you touched on the no, last they haven't podcast. been finalized. That is still in discussion. As my understanding, as of last week, that there was a huge discussion with the SWAC presidents and chancellors and commissioners in terms of what would be the best practice in terms of whether they want to bring all teams to the tournament, which was the original charter discussion that they wanted to do when they decided to move the tournament here into Houston, that they were going to bring all 10 teams to be eligible. thought it was a reward for the student-athletes to sure. bring them here. Obviously, there's some marketing components of what would make that a good thing to do as well. Uh, but on the women's side, all women were doing what they're supposed to do in terms of complying with the basic uh, NCA rules, in, which include now the APR, academic progress rate component, which is an academic uh, progress for those that may not know is similar to those in Texas that are familiar with the don't play, no pass, no play rule in high school for colleges that suggest that you have to stay eligible by maintaining the eligibility within the sport or within a major, I should say, that you declare uh, for graduation. And you have 24 hours freshman year, 40, 60, 80, and you must maintain that. So all the women's side have done that. But previously, the men have had great difficulty in terms of making that progress rate for various reasons. We won't get into that sundry right now, not necessarily in terms of irresponsibility academically in terms of what people would condition as general cheating, but not being able to get it done in terms of passing classes towards degree completion. So at the beginning of the season, it was already known that Gremlin, Arkansas Pine Bluff, and Mississippi Valley State, three teams of the 10-member squack on the men's side would not be participating in the tournament, just like last season. So that means there was only seven men eligible. Uh, in that format, Southern, or which was last year the number one team, as Texas Southern wasn't eligible, right? both APR and uh, other issues with the NCA. So you only had seven teams going to the tournament, and Southern had a bye as the number one seed. And other teams played in basically the first round to create that other six teams. So this year, now you take away Southern, you're talking about six teams. So you theoretically you give two teams a bye and the first two teams play. You do something like that, but you're getting to a threshold uh, where there were some major discussions with the number of teams and with contracts, you know, is the threshold about that number? Now you're talking about 16 in total, 10 on sure. the women, mm -hmm. 6 on the men, but actually that's 9 and 6. The Southern women's are not eligible, so now you're talking about 15. So you go from 20 originally, 17 last year, if you would, to all of a sudden now you're going to 15. Pretty deep threshold, so that could be an issue. But the SWAC presidents were saying, What's the best way to do this? So there's some discussion on do you let every team go to the tournament and go back to uh, whoever's eligible in the regular season to win the championship? Or do you come up with some formula that could be really complicated where every team in the tournament is eligible and if a team that wins it is not eligible, then you declare for a team in the regular season? So you got some different discussions. And I guess if you're doing your due process, you put everything on the table and you try to figure out the pros and the cons and do that. It's my understanding, and I'm not privileged to what they decided, but they did send something up to to the NCA Thursday or Friday in terms of some questions and some proposals of what they would like to do. And then I think they're waiting on commentary from that, from the NCA on what they're allowed to do in terms of creating a postseason and uh, regular season in terms of who would get earned a bid to determine what rules and guidelines they have to make that decision. See, 
that's why I'm glad you are part of these podcasts, Doc. I want to commend you for your your knowledge and your insight because I had forgotten, honestly, I had forgotten about the fellas being ineligible yeah. this year. I forgot about how many there were. Yeah. I remember reading about it during the off season, just shaking my head and all that kind of stuff. Right. And then I forgot about it out of sight, out of mind. Right. And then the other information you added to the Thank discussion, you. it's great to the podcast. We're going to tie tie that in with with your top ten rankings. So just go ahead and touch on uh, touch on that a bit. And I'm proud to say it's a part of the Houston Round Bar View yeah. website as well. And the week eight on the major division, men, women's top ten uh, have just been put on the website within the hour. Of you listen to the podcast, so you can go listen to, go check that out on the HoustonRoundBarview.com or the short version, VHRR.com. But not go ahead and give that. Yes, and also look for the mid major because it'll be released uh, either later tonight or first thing in the morning. Correct. Uh, it'll send it out. And the first place that you get that poll is at VHRR.com, the Houston Round Ball Review. And I'm a proud uh, that I have the poll on that. A lot of good things there. So while we're looking at that, we'll look at the women, then we can go to the men. We'll give you the top five. That way we can give you a little tease and ask you to go to the site and look at the top ten. Very interesting. We've got some good hot stuff that we can give you here in terms of so many teams to look out if you're trying to get ready for your um, bracket 65. Right, <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I can give you a surprise and start thinking about and see how this plays out. In terms of a team on the men's side that is playing really well, I'm going to give you one on the women's side that you should be familiar with uh, and hadn't had much luck in terms of seeding. But if they get one, I'll give you another team to watch out. Also, both of them are in the MEAC. I'll give you that. Top five programs uh, as they come with you hot and heavy right now. Let's look at those top five programs in Dr. Ville's HBC Major Division Women's Basketball Top 10 Poll Rankings. Week number eight, again, we'll give you top five. And number five, you have Coppin State Eagles. They're out of the MEAC, 13 and 13, 10 and 4. They defeated Norfolk State Spartans 63 to 51 versus Maryland Eastern Shore Hawks this week as they start to clear up their season and trying to push in, position themselves, I should say, in terms of the MEAC tournament, which everything counts. One big league, meaning uh, you put all your chips regular season, you love to get that regular season crown, but if you're out of it, you still have a chance right, right. to make the tournament. And often or not, unfortunately for a lot of them, that's what really people remember is who yep, won that is true. Got that's the tournament. True. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if I like that, but different discussion. Number four, North Carolina and Aggies, 21 and four. Very solid record. 11 and two in the conference race. Interesting. They will play Hampton as the last game of the season. We'll see if that means something. Hold on. Defeated North Carolina Central Eagles, 79 to 51. Versus Savannah State Tigers, it is a top 10 team that's having a very good season. So that's a great matchup to keep your eye on as the week plays out. At number three, Texas Southern Tigers, 15 and 9. We know that now it's 16 and 9. 12 and 1 in the conference race. Again, that's 13 and 1 with the updates we just gave earlier, which is huge news. And does that mean that they will jump over Southern? In the next poll, we will see what the numbers say. Defeat Mississippi Valley State Bulldogs, 66 to 56. They were at Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions today, and Saturday they host Alabama State Hornets, who just had a major upset of our number two team that we gave you at the top of the hour. At the Southern Jaguars, 16-6, and 13-1, and uh, at number two ranking, held that just about all season long. But now it looks like they might make a move 
going down the elevator. They defeated Alabama A&M Bulldogs 93 to 82 on Saturday, but they had that loss. The Alabama State Hornets. This is a big win for the Hornets. Hornets came off to a season where they won a lot of big time games in the preseason against some teams out of the MIAC. Came into the season with a winning record and really disappointed in terms of what they've done in the conference. So this is something the ladies can kind of raise their head and say, "Look, this is the type of talent we have, and this is probably something that's really good to go into the tournament with that type of momentum." Saying, "Look, we know that we can play good basketball." So that's just something to keep your eye on. They're versus Jackson State Tigers, which is another robbery game, a top-10 team. So the Southern Jaguars are stumbling in the second half of the season because they've had two losses over the last um, two weeks. Mm-hmm. So watch out what's going on with Southern. They're kind of teetering. I don't know if that news in terms of eligibility, in terms of postseason, has got to them mentally. It seemed like it got to the men. and The women were able to get over it, but now maybe this is something that kind of hit them and shook them a little bit. We'll see if they can bounce back. Bring us to number one, Hampton Pirates, 22-4, and 13-0. This is a real solid team. They've been number one team ranked in the HBC women's side for the last two years running, three out of the last four. They know how to get it done. All nine first-place votes. They defeated Howard Bison, which is the battle of the real HU in that area, 59-52, one of the closest games they played all season, so it was a good, solid game, and versus Maryland Eastern Shore Hawks tonight and versus Norfolk State Spartans. I see them finding a way to get it done. That game against the Spartans is a robbery game, but they have it at home. They beat them by like 40, and Spartans are playing a lot of basketball, better basketball on the women's side have they done in the last uh, year or so. So I give them some credit there, but they won't be able to stop the Lady Pirates. They just get it done. Let me tell you, Frank. And compared to what UConn does on the national level with programs, I would say that's what Hampton does, it seems like, against HBCU competition. The only team that was able to kind of give them a run for their money last year was Previan and Panthers that had them in a um, game and defeat them in a game that was on the road, neutral site, as we say. And so that's something to keep you high. But outside of that, they defeat everybody. They went 16-0 in the conference last year. They're already on their way 13-0 this year. So uh, Hampton is a team, if they finally get what I think is a real ranking they should get to the NCAA, look for them to maybe make a little trouble into the first round of the tournament. Usually, um, and so this is a so team you're saying that, a non-16 seed, maybe a 15 seed. Yeah, well, I'm saying, I'm thinking they've slid to that 15 spot. Well, true, that's true, that is true, yeah. If they can find that 14 seed, I think they can do some damage. This is the team that played... Kentucky two years ago uh, to an overtime game right. as a 15 seed. Right. I remember Hampton that. has beaten teams in the regular season just like they did this year, hosting teams at home. So they're pretty respected at the level because they're able to get some BCS teams, as we refer to them, the football vernacular, sure. if you would, in terms of the big five. They got them to play at home because teams respect them. Remember, they brought in LSU up there last year. Right. This year they brought a team, Virginia Tech, at home. and They went on the road and beat Kansas State. So not to say that these are teams, obviously, we look at the top five and components like this, but to take those teams and beat them lets you know that this is a top 30, top 40 type team, which means – if you really rank them RPI where they're supposed to be, they should slide into that 14, maybe to some degree a 13 seed. And if they get that, I believe they can compete and win that type of game. So that's where I'm saying look for them to see if they're able to get that 14, 13 seed. Be careful what you put on your poll in terms, I mean, in terms of your brackets. 
Now, if they get that 15 seed, the top women in terms of basketball, as we talk about UConn a little later with U of H, we'll give you that. You know, and you've taught me very well after watching those types of games now, that there's a difference when you look at right. them top eight teams. Definitely. So when you talk about ranking one through 16 and two through 15, I'm not sure how good you have to be to really play with them. But I think it drops off some considerably when you start talking about that 14 oh, yeah. and 13 oh, seed. Yeah. Uh, 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 and that's what I'm trying to get to. And so I'll let you kind of teach uh, the listeners a little more of those. And, and maybe I shouldn't teach because if they listen to us, they know by now. But they understand what we're talking about. So that'll do it on the women's side. Let me get to the interesting, something that really surprised you on the men's side. Because it gets a little different when we look at the men's side. I got another little nugget I want to give you to let you know how well this team is doing. And make sure that y'all hadn't forgot what we talked about during the preseason contest. Top five programs on the men's side. Week number eight, Dr. Cavill's HBCU top ten poll rankings. Number five. Morgan State Bears, 11-13, 9-3, sneaky in the weeds. Watch for them in the tournament. Uh, this is Bozeman. Bozeman has made it to the tournament Todd the last Bozeman, five years. Todd Bozeman, you remember his years of California, very solid, paid his dues, found a way to get back into business. He likes this team. Watch what he does in the tournament. He's sticking around. He's 9-3, and the, ter- the regular season not over with. He's just two games behind a team that has one loss that is doing very well, but watch out. He defeated Coppin State Eagles, 78-69. That's their rival. That's the Texas, Texas A&M type game when you're talking about those rivals, uh, Alabama, Auburn, North Carolina, Duke in terms of the basketball side of things as we look at. Used to be Kansas, Missouri that is no longer played. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan, Michigan State that was just played. That's their rival, that level. Okay. They just don't like each other. Yeah. Right? Okay. Number four, Norfolk State Spartans, 15-11, 9-3. Four, they defeated Coppin State Eagles early in the week, 73-68. They're at Howard Bison tonight and then at Hampton uh, Pirates. They're on the road. Hampton beat them at home in overtime. So this is going to be a good one. That's a top ten, top five matchup because you'll see number three are the Hampton Pirates, 15-11, 10-3. They defeated Howard Bison. Again, that's a battle of the real HU, another robbery, 81-78. You can see with the closest of these games, some very good games being played versus Maryland Eastern Shore Hawks versus Norfolk State Spartans as they start to end the season. Boy, it's going to go to the wire to see some seeding in this MEAC tournament. And then number two, the Southern Jaguars, 16-11, 12-2, defeated Alabama and m Bulldogs, 70-62 at Alabama State Hornets, Jackson State Tigers. Looked like they had bumped ahead. They got that news. They lost to Arkansas Pine Bluff. Fell down 10 points on that ESPNU game against Valley. Found a way to get it done. And they bounced back and they beat Alabama A&M Bulldogs, who were playing some very good basketball. So I give them credit because it looked like they were kind of shaky in terms of what they're going to do based after they got that news. And you can understand that for young people, even a coach, in terms of putting that much work in and find it all going to waste after you enjoyed what you did last year to make it determined and you really paid the dues in the offseason to get it done. They're going to get a ranking. Top five, but will it count in terms of what they can do for the tournament? I don't know. Number one team, North Carolina Central Eagles, 21 and 5, 12 and 1, nine first place votes, defeated North Carolina AT Aggies, 73 to 55. They're at New Jersey uh, Institute of Technology Highlanders tonight. South Carolina State Bulldogs on Saturday. Well, I'll take that back. They play uh, technology in JIT. For short, the Highlanders, they play them on Tuesday. They play them actually tomorrow. This team is solid. Remember, this is the team to beat North Carolina State. 
That's oh, a yeah. top seven mm-hmm. team in the ACC. Seven to seven in the ACC. They've won uh, we, thirteen we straight games. Yeah. yeah, we talked about mm-hmm. it. They won thirteen straight games, right? Today, the news of the land. They got one vote in the APA poll. You know, top twenty-five. They yeah. got somebody got them a vote. So somebody's watching and understand yeah. this team is pretty solid. Remember, this is the team that lost to Wichita State. That's undefeated. Mm-hmm. Number two lost in the country them. now, yeah. Yeah, lost them. Gave them everything they want. Lost them less than seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they played um, uh, another team, escapes my head. Played them within the 13 uh, ACC team. I'll, I'll think about it shortly. Uh, but that's the type of talent. In the mid-majors, they rank 18th in the country at the mid-major level. So this is a very solid team. So they get... A good so ranking and a team that come bracket time. Watch out. Mm-hmm. Think twice. Don't just throw it out there. But if they get a matchup, really look at the matchup and not the name in this case. Sounds good. Thanks for the information. And I want to touch real quick. Uh, ESPN.com's Charlie Cream uh, does the bracketology for the women's basketball. And I got a chance to, to uh, work with him at the NCAA mock selection oh, two years ago. He has. To your point, he has Hampton, a 13 seed, playing, matching up against number four, Kentucky. Bad. One one bad thing about it is Kentucky's hosting the first two rounds of right. the tournament, so they'll be playing at Kentucky in Rupp Arena. That'd be tough. So it'll be tough, but Hampton is a 13 seed, so you're seeing that they are respected enough to get a seed like that as opposed to Swag 16C all the time kind of thing. So, you, so, right. so that is something to keep your eye on. Yeah. Kudos for them for working up to their level and get it. And if they do get the 13C, that would be the best seeding at HBCU Women's. Actually, it will be a best seed that any HBCU program has received since the expansion to the 64-team field. Obviously, uh, Southern got a 14C on the men's side, but that was just when they had 32 teams. That was the Southern team that upset Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. if you recall. Um, so that means they're putting in work, and they've put it in over the years. This is not a one-year right. wonder. This is a team that has built a program. David Six, the coach there, I don't know what he's doing, but people need to recognize, and if you're at the HBCU level, uh, you might want to <laughs> check him out and see if you can render his services. Or... If you are a team that I happen to attend yeah. as an alum and looking for a head coach and just coming off a 51-point butt-whooping on Saturday afternoon to the number one team in the country, maybe you want to look at him as well if you want to uh, improve and upgrade their coaching as uh, U-Rates says they want to do. And I have on good authority that they are looking at coaches and they may not hire anyone until after the tournament. Because the people they're looking at, they have their eye on, maybe moving or advancing in the tournament. Yeah, deep in the tournament. That's good. So we'll see how that all plays out. But I do know that, that, and that fits right into the coaches who contacted me about interest in the job. Uh, nearly all of them are on teams that are doing well right now. Nearly, nearly all of them are on teams that will get in the tournament. So that's not a surprise. So. Trust me, what I what I tell you about that. So we'll see how things well, that go. Says a lot about the U of H program. Uh, you obviously know what takes place on the men's side in history, uh, but it also tells you some respect level and what people think about the caliber players in this area and what people think they can do 
with the women's program. It's an untapped gym waiting for the right coach to tap that gym. So we'll see how it all plays out. But as I touched on, as I mentioned, a few things. Connecticut, the number one team in the country, uh, the cream of the crop in women's college basketball was here Saturday afternoon. 28 no. 28 no. I was disappointed in the crowd. There's only 1,569 people there. Mm. I did a little commentary on my website, my blog, part of the website. You oh. can go to the women's hoops for, as I call my commentaries, basketball for thought. Well, I was critical of the U of H marketing department like and the shoddy, shoddy job that they did promoting the game. Nobody expected the game to be close, but it's the, it was the first time UConn was coming to your building. That's never happening again. Only get one time to be first. So they should have done a much better job promoting the fact that the team and the coach are coming to your building. Your job as a marketing department is to get butts in the seats. And then they spend money on the, on the refreshments and the food and things like that. But they didn't do a great job of that. I put on Twitter Friday a little note about UConn coming to Hawthorne on Saturday. A friend of mine who's in the media didn't know about it until he saw my tweet. So that tells you right there. And he would have come to the, see the kicker is the men's team, UH men's team, played first. So it wasn't quite a doubleheader, but it was a doubleheader. Men played at one. Women's game was at four. They had, in the men's game, announced attendance of 7,000 and some change. It wasn't 7,000 folks there, but it was announced attendance at 7,000 people. A thousand of that was cheerleaders. Young, young young ladies in different squads came, you know, did the halftime routine. Gavi Lewis Court was packed. It, it was probably any room for anything else but cheerleaders to do their routine. Mm-hmm. They were all gone. So you do the cheerleaders for the so none, yeah, exactly. The- Thank you. You had little girls cheering for the men's game. There was one cheerleading squad for the women's game. One. Everybody else left. I don't understand that at all. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. But that's my school. And that's how we do things over there, sadly. They do things kind of backwards. But that is part of my bas- basketball thought. You can go uh, read that. Link is on the uh, homepage, HoustonRombardView.com. The game wasn't a game. you know. But the, Well, let me say that. First eight, nine minutes of the game, it was kind of close. Cooper's on down by six. By 1913. Then reality set in. <laughs> Connecticut stopped turning the ball over, started making shots. Stephanie Dolson, All-American center, went to work down low, and they couldn't stop her. I mean, UConn's front line can go 6'5", 6'4", 6'3". Kruger's tallest player, 6'6", foot one. No. You know, so it, it's just a bad matchup, talent-wise, coaching-wise, you know, all kinds yeah, of levels. All, every match we So UConn dominated, led by, oh, I think 20 at halftime, then turned it on and won by 51. So in the two matchups this season, U of H and Connecticut, UConn's won by combined 101 points. 90 to 40 in the first game, then 92-41 in the second game. So you see there's a wide, wide, wide gulf between. So you take the two points they scored in two games, you still wouldn't beat them either game. Yeah. So that's how that's how it is. That's that is that is where things are in U of H winning basketball. So, but as you touched on, there are still coaches who want this job and believe in the potential of the job. Right. So that says something right there that I hope that the AD and administration realizes and makes the right hire. And that doesn't, doesn't make it personal. It makes it, makes the right hire 
the right person for the job, male or female, black, white, or brown, the right person for the job who can recruit this area and who can market and promote themselves as well as the program. Because you got to do both. Because I don't know since Coach Joe Curl <laughs> left and he, due to health, right. but Coach Curl was at KCOH a lot promoting his program, cooking for the station, cooking for the neighborhood, because I invited him. And he accepted my invitation, and he was there. Coach Buchanan was there initially. His first year there as head coach, he stopped by a few times. I had some of the players uh, go to the station. But since apparently, since I after I left the station, nobody else at U of H took it upon themselves to follow up and keep that relationship going with Ralph Cooper at the station and go by. Because we know Ralph has an open door. Yeah. You come by the station, you put you on the station, promote yourself, promote your team. Ralph ain't going to beg for you to come by. No, yeah. But he's going to give you every real he, opportunity. Doors open. You do he it. He sure will. He'll put you on stage. So, earlier we touched on that the men, U of H men, played and beat UCF in a high-scoring game. A lot of offense in the game. Not much defense. First team to make stops really won the game. Cougars made enough stops, made key three-pointers down the stretch to win 88-84. Of both teams, I think UCF was 2-11 and in conference and Cougars were 4-9. So, it wasn't elite teams in the American Athletic Conference, but it was a well-played game. Good to see the Cougars win. A U of H men next game will be at home this Thursday at Memphis versus Memphis. The game will be on uh, CBS Sports Network. Tip-off was 8 o'clock Thursday, so it's going to be late night for me after the game is over, do my video post, things like that. But I also want to touch on this. I forgot about it. Do uh, you know Oriema, coach of Connecticut, did speak with the media after the game. Post-game interview is available on my Houston Rombard View YouTube channel. Uh, he spoke to us for about 10 minutes. And I want to show you the impact, the influence, the power of the Connecticut Huskies brand. They had, the game was carried, aired on Sports, Net, Sports New York. Sports New York had their own background for Dino's interview. So typically, uh, you have the home team, you have U of H, you know, whoever yes. has their backdrop. No, 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 no. Sports New York had their own backdrop for Dino's interview. So when Dino was interviewed, you can see it, did video, you can see it for yourself on my channel. While he's talking to us, you see in the background, Sports New York. Heck, I even took a so picture of it. So he did both or? No, no, he, he spoke in front of the Sports New York backdrop, period. He didn't talk, he didn't speak in front of the U of H backdrop. When he was done, Staff took that backdrop, moved to the side, and brought U of H backdrop for Coach Wade Scott and um, uh, Jessica Palmer, sophomore Jessica wow. Palmer, to speak to us. Yes. Next part of that, there was I don't think I've ever heard of four media from Connecticut that they traveled came. with the team that came to the game. Four. Four. And that's light. Trust me. In Final Four in Nashville, where I will be, I've been privileged. And accepted for my credential, the UConn media horde will be 30 deep for the women's team. There'll be th at probably 30 media there from UConn, from Connecticut, from Hartford, from the cities there covering that team. That is the brand. That's how big they are in Connecticut, in the state of Connecticut, and in the Northeast. Very, very impressive. You can say what you want to. There's nothing else, pro sports or whatever, nothing up there on the East Coast. Don't care. They figured it out. Women's college basketball, UConn, 
matters. matters. And and they're on when you, TV. You, they're on public TV. The game's on public access TV. PBS. You, you did say New York. So, so, oh, yeah. They're a big deal. Yeah. So let's not laugh and act like, yeah, you know, I, we know said, UConn yeah. may not. Sports you talking New York. York. Yes. Sports New York carries their game. Yes, sir. Yeah. Sports New York. Uh-huh. We know the conglomerate of New York and all the teams down there. So, so yes. Big, big deal. And that's why I, I, I'm thrilled that they're part of the Cougars Conference because I've seen them run through the Big East. I've seen them win championships. But to see them, and I'm not saying it's a done deal because it's not, but if they cut down the nets for the ninth championship, they'll be, the Cougars will be in the conference of the national champion. And that says something to me. It may be, you know, it shows you how far you need to go but their bar is set extremely high, and if you evade the administration, wants to get there, you got to do the work. Yeah. And then one more thing, um, I said four. UConn Media was there. I was Houston Media there. No Chronicle. There was <laughs> the, the Comcast TV because the Cougars are part of Comcast Sports. Houston was there. The Daily Cougar School Paper was there. AP Writer was there. You know Stringer for the AP. There was no chronicle there. I was Houston Media there, print-wise. I was there. So, this goes to show you how things are. When so, they bring four, we have four. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, the U of H women to play their senior day will be March 1st, Saturday. Say uh, farewell, thank you to seniors Tiana Campbell and Yasmin Thompson. Uh, so, they're playing Memphis. Memphis is struggling, especially on the road. So we'll see if the Cougars have a chance to get their second victory. The game will be part of the American Digital Network. But I will not be there. I will be at Rice for the Rice Owls Senior Day. Rice is playing tough, tough, very tough UTEP. But it will be Jessica Custer's last home game in a Rice Owls uniform. Mm -hmm. And Jessica Custer is a special talent. She ha- has a chance to finish her c- c- Rice career as the leading scorer and leading rebounder. She has a scorer chance. Scorer and rebounder. And rebounder, yes. And if I can pull up the stats here for her. That is impressive. She is, has a chance to join the 2,000.1,000 rebound club in women's college basketball. Very few players have accomplished that feat. So this shows you, here we go. Um, she's averaging 20.9 points per game this year. And before the game against Latex, she was 25 points away from joining the 2,000.1,000 rebound club. Only Stanford's Janae Ogumake from Sci-Fair, from the area. Middle Tennessee's Ebony Rowe, who's not part of Conference USA. And Maryland's Alyssa Thomas are part of that. Active players being 2,000-1,000 club. <laughs> so, take a shot of rice on that. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Did you know that? Just going to ask. They don't put that information Exactly. in? Exactly. This was in their press release, but in terms of promoting that citywide, you have no idea. You had probably no idea just who Jessica Custer is, how much she's accomplished for the team, for the program, and that is just sad. It's sad, and it shows it's just, just another indicator of the we don't get it. indifference that the schools themselves seem to have toward their own program. If it's not football on either side, now the Rice football is the champion. And if it's not baseball, they don't care. 
They don't they don't care to promote it. And that's that's a disappointing thing. And the Owls did win Saturday, coming off a win. They won on the road. It beat That's a major indictment. It's the truth. You know, it's 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 sad but true and, and I've and Wildcat have harped on it for years about the seemingly indifference toward women's athletic, women's basketball, you know, the Olympic sports. Clearly, they're not revenue generating, but I look at it from a different perspective. Maybe they could be revenue generating if you did a better job promoting. Absolutely, or at least less of a drain. You just it, talked about right. what UConn was able to do. So uh, we know examples of programs that have created the right coaching atmosphere, uh, combustible with winning and doing some things, unique things and creating environments where they have become revenue-generating programs. And at the very least, even if they don't go to that point, you can do enough to make sure that they reduce the cost and increase the revenue such that they're not as much of a drain on an athletic program's budget. And I'm, I'm glad I mentioned Senior Day at Rice and got me to the Rice website. The game versus UTEP apparently now has been moved to accommodate for TV. It's not going to tip off at 11 o'clock in the morning, which will give me a chance to do both. So I can be able to go to Rice's, see Coach's final game, as well as go to U of H at 2 o'clock. So that's good. So that'll work out well. UTEP will probably beat Rice because they are better team than Rice. Overall team. Overall team. But Jessica Custer, like I said, the numbers don't lie. She is the real deal. And hopefully some point this week, Rice will promote her and the game to the local media. But on another note, um, Doc and myself first. Doc, who are you? How can folks find you? Get in touch with you on the Internet. Yes, I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, professor over here at Texas Southern University over the sport management program at the bachelor's level. I'm also a analyst for HBCU Sports. Football, basketball, men's and women's, and baseball. I do a top 10 poll ranking, both at the major and mid-major level. Uh, quickly, the major level is for Division One programs, and the mid-major level is for Division Two of the NCAA, as well as NAIA Division One programs. You can follow me on the media, social media platforms of Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can um, get the poll directly sent to you by email. It's, uh, email me at kcaville at th-agency.com. Or again, you can go to the H-H, excuse me, the H-R-R.com, the Houston Roundball Review. Again, that's thhrr.com, the Houston Roundball Review. In terms of getting the top 10 poll rankings, I deliver them for the podcast when you're listening, the top five component of that. And I also do a sports analysts on different radio shows that if you email, I'll tell you where you can find different reports where I go a little more in-depth in terms of not just the polling, but my opinion in terms of the sport business side, particular of sports, particular at the HBCU level. And I am KG, Chris Gardner of the Houston Round Ball Review website, HoustonRoundBallReview.com, and also VHRR.com. Uh, we're dragging our feet a little bit, getting the 
podcast Facebook page started, but we'll get that done. Trust me, don't worry about it. We will get that done. Yeah, we designed. We got the, we got the uh, design. We logo. Just have to, the logo's you. done. We just have to, you know, finally put everything together. Um, have a Houston Round Ball View YouTube channel. You can see the videos, post game videos of Coach Kevin McHale, as well as Rockets. I mean, excuse me, uh, college, Houston area college teams. On Twitter at T H E H R Review. I'm also on Instagram, Houston Round Bar Review. I'm gonna touch on a few things real quick. We'll get on. We'll get with the Rockets in just a second. Don't worry about that, Rocket fan. One thing I want to say. I have a give a shout out to uh, a coworker who's listening. He, he knows who he is. I'm not gonna mention his name, but I told him today at, at work because he asked me at work what time. What time? When is your next podcast? And I told him tonight. He said, "Oh." So uh, and I told him that I give him a little mention there, and uh, sweet. Sometime we'll have to think about this. I mentioned it to him. He's from Mexico. He's a huge soccer fan or football. And oh, yeah. we'll, I like we'll see. The World Cup is this year going to be in Brazil. Got to bring him in. I said, I, thank you, sir. Thank you. I was thinking the exact same thing. I mentioned it to him. He said he would do it. So we'll see how we'll, we'll make that work bring later on. I'm a big on, soccer fan, fan myself. And uh, by that time, I'll have my ammunition to at least be able to deal with him at that level. But uh, to have that expertise, so, yeah. as you said, what we bring on as a special guest, that's what the listeners expect, and that's how we do. So I look forward to that. Touch on the recap a few scores over the week over the last few days. I mentioned the Right South Women uh, won Saturday over La Tech. That's after they lost by 36 points at home to Old Dominion, 85-49. So a good bounce back win for them. The Rice men are now 2-11 coming to USA after losing 67-55 to East Carolina on Saturday, and then Thursday 55-51 to Old Dominion. HBU, the men are 2-13, and 13, but the men won on the 15th. They beat uh, Central Arkansas 99-83, but on Saturday they lost a Corpus Christi, coached by Willis Wilson, former Rice Isles head coach, 66-61. The women are 7-8 and eight now in the Southland Conference after losing at home to uh, A&M Corpus Christi 74-62, and being 7-8 and eight in the Southland Conference puts them at the ninth spot in the current standings. Top eight go? The top eight go to the tournament. Ooh. So they have some work to do. They're, on, they're half game out of the eighth spot. And keep in mind, Abilene Christian, who is technically ahead of HBU, but they're ineligible for postseason as well as um, UIW in New Orleans. And that's because they're transitioning. Correct. Not anything on that. Correct. So the Huskies are 7-8, and eight, but they're only a half game ahead of 6-8 and eight, San Houston State and 6-8 and eight, Oral Roberts. So there is a chance that the Huskies may not meet the top eight and qualify for the Southland Conference Tournament, which is held at the Merrill Center at, in Katy, which Doc and myself have been credentialed and approved for, and we will we'll be attending those uh, some of those games as best we can. Give you some in-depth information as we are able to attend those games. And uh, we talked about Prairie View women uh, winning tonight, so that's a good thing. It beat Valley by three points, TSU women. You know, Prairie View is now 10-4 in the swag. Yeah, 10 wins, 10 big wins. They're really playing that's some good ten basketball. One, 10 wins total. They, didn't, they went winless non-conference, but they got 10 Wins in the swag, so good job there by PV and touched on TSU with their victory night to improve to 13 and 1. So, and TSU, uh, 
both teams will PV and TCU have the final two home games coming up this weekend and Monday. Correct. And then setting up the final two games will be on the road. So good luck to them. And of course, the SWAC tournament will be held in Houston at Toyota Center in mid-March around my birthday. It's like it was meant to be. My birthday is March 14th. So it's around tournament time. It's just like me and basketball was destined to be together. So Yeah, the women now, after winning tonight, they've won four straight. Uh, that's uh, as as you said, that's nine out of their last ten games playing some very solid basketball. And this is a team we were very worried about coming in open the way they were getting beaten. Uh, took that loss to Southern. Obviously, we see that they were part of the cream of the crop. They got a win back at home uh, versus Alcorn, and then lost to Texas Southern. So they lost their first two out of three games in the SWAC. Then actually took another loss to Jackson. So they were three at four that first week. So to come back and do what they've done, I give them a lot of credit because I, frankly, had buried them. I, me too. So you know, kudos to Coach Brown and, and turning turn the team around in conference Sitting play. at the third spot. Yep. Which means they would get a two ranking uh, if uh, Southern is ineligible as they are right now. For right. Touch on a couple things. and One in, last thing, the two games ahead of Jackson State. Right. So. NBA-wise, this – it was announced yesterday, and it's news, but it's not news to. It's not big. It's, it's important, but it's not. It's it's a long time in coming. Let's put it like that. Uh, Jason Collins uh, signed a ten day contract with the Brooklyn Nets. Jason Collins is now he became the first openly gay athlete in the uh, four major, major sports, sports in in the, in America. This comes shortly after the soccer guy. Correct. Obviously, not recognized as five major sports. Made his announcement a little earlier. But I just want to read this statement from new commissioner, NBA commissioner, Adam Silver. Quote, Jason told us that his goal was to earn another contract with the NBA team. Today I want to commend him on achieving his goal. I know everyone in the NBA family is excited for him and proud that our league fosters an inclusive and respectful environment. End quote. In the game, in Sunday's game, he played 11 minutes, picked up five fouls. Got some rebounds, set some solid picks. This he he did what he does. He he did what he always does. You know he throws weight around, plays smart. He's a good team player. Mm-hmm. Knows the play, learns the play. So if Brooklyn signs to a second ten day contract, then the next contract they will sign, he'll be signed for the rest of the season. So we'll see if he will be signed for the remainder of the season. Wish him well. Um, trade deadline once again. Daryl Moore pulled up a trade on the day of. Uh, the trading deadline in the NBA this time, he, he acquired a Longhorn, Jordan Hamilton from the Denver Nuggets for Aaron Brooks. Um, Rockets need another wing player, you know, a swing player to play at the guard, at the shooting guard slash small forward spot, and even sometimes when they could play small ball. Uh, Jordan can help out with the versatility because uh, Francisco Garcia has not played as well this season as he did last season. But uh, Jordan was, he averaged 6.8 points with the Nuggets, 3.4 rebounds, about 17 minutes per game with them. You know, sad to see Aaron Brooks go, but uh, it's for the greater good. You know, Jordan, six foot seven, taller player. He's not a three-point threat that Aaron Brooks is. I mean, Jordan did play defense, you know, and get garbage buckets at the time. And Rockets did wave uh, Ronnie Brewer, who was about six foot six and of a veteran, but they believe more. In Jordan's ability to help them now and future as 
as well. So that's tough on Brewer because Brewer was supposed to be a defensive player. He, he was. So in the end, he he didn't play a lot this year. Even when Francisco got hurt, he did, his minutes weren't there. So you could kind of see so the lightning in the wall. Yeah, so he wouldn't do anything. So and then the Rockets on Thursday, I believe it was was it uh, they lost to the Golden State Warriors in a game that it was surprisingly it was not as high scoring as you probably would think it would be. The final <laughs> score was one hundred two ninety nine, and that went went in overtime. But they came back Sunday evening and won at Phoenix, part of their uh, five game road trip. They got two more games Tuesday at Sacramento, and then uh, they wrap up the road trip Wednesday versus the Clippers uh, before. Playing uh, March first, coming home and, and dusting my woeful Detroit Pistons, which I'll be there to see that though. But uh, Wednesday's game against Clippers will be on ESPN. So for those like me who don't have Comcast Houston, you will be get ten- you will have a chance to watch it. I believe the game is a national game, so it won't be blacked out. So Dwight Howard's playing great. He's uh, think twenty four and almost thirteen rebounds. Then Rockets, so they've won. Nine of the last ten ball games, so they're playing well, getting contributions from a lot of different people, which is you know key to their success. They still float around, they still have little lulls in basketball games, which all teams do. I mean, they were they were up, I think, eighteen over Phoenix Sunday night, and then trailed by eleven in the fourth quarter, but came back and found a way to win the ball game by three, despite former Rockets, uh, former Rocket Goran Dragic dropping thirty five points. On them in the ball game, kind of letting the Rockets know, see what you got, got you know, got rid of. But <laughs> they're they're playing well, and and we'll see how uh, the attendance will be these final two months home home games. How many people will come? Will they actually be true? What I consider sellouts when I don't have to, when I won't look across the Toyota Center and see empty seats like I do. Like I've seen numerous times this season, despite the fact that they announced that sellouts, not even close on some occasions. But wish the Rockets well as they play Sacramento Tuesday and the Clippers Wednesday. The Clippers game to be very, very entertaining. You got Blake Griffin and Chris Paul and Jamal Crawford. Clippers coming off a big road win over Oklahoma City on Sunday, despite Kevin Durant's 42 points. So they're playing great basketball. And you got Dwight Howard and James Harden. So both teams have dynamic duos. Uh, you know, Doc Rivers is probably a better coach. I think everybody would agree that Doc Rivers is a better co- head coach than Kevin McHale. But it could be a possible playoff matchup. Mm, you know, I would like to see it. So I think it would be a good game to watch. Tip-off is 930 on, on Wednesday. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, sir? That's really all I had in terms of uh, all the major moves out there. Because I, th- I think we touched on a, a few good things, you know, a few things, you know, the Cougs, UConn, HBU, Southland Conference, even got a little bit about Jason Collins. Uh, no great shakes on injuries, nothing major about that. Well, uh, what about the injury to the, to the Duke on the women's side? Well, yeah, that yeah, that was, and and, and she has she has been, or has been announced that. Uh, Alicia Jones, Duke point guard. Now they're, they're down to a back thirsting point guard now because she moved over to point guard once Chelsea Gray, uh, senior Chelsea Gray, uh, hurt her knee. Like Alexis Jones, I want to say Alexis Jones, Alexis Jones, who's from Texas, uh, suffered a torn ACL. So Alexis is not done for the season. So Duke is That's just taking, 
that, that pretty much ends their title hope run. Yeah, they're 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 done. You know, he's the second guard, point guard to be lost this season ending injury and you just just tough to come recover from that. And they I'm not ashamed to say this. I mean they lost eighty one seventy Sunday to Notre Dame, second best team in the country. Although I think Notre Dame is the true best shot to, to beat UConn. UConn. They're just so loaded and so deep and talented. They can score and they can defend. But Duke, injuries aside, does not match up well with the big dogs. They lost by 11 Notre Dame. Second time they lost to them. They got bazookaed by UConn. They have mental blocks, it seems like, seemingly against the elite teams. And when you talk about UConn, did, did we mention that this was uh, Rammer's Dino's 1,000th game at UConn? So, yeah. That was, and that might have been why. I don't actually. I don't think it was, but that could have been a reason why four media people from Connecticut came to Houston for that reason. But I believe they'll be with try with the team and because they go to Dallas to play SMU on Wednesday. So I think those guys travel. will travel with the team all you know <laughs> because it's UConn. Right. So, but yes, uh, Coach Oyema had coached his one thousandth game, and uh, you know he he's a straight shooter. He does. Sometimes say things that piss people off, but he tells you what's on his mind. And that is, you know, something you have to. I respect, and he's a heck of a coach. He's won eight national championships, has a great chance, and he he did say because they're still battling some injuries and illnesses. Uh, Kalina Mosqueda Lewis is dealing with mononucleosis, so uh, he said if if they, if she's not uh, healthy. 100% come tournament time, then it definitely will impede their chances of winning a nice championship. Because the deeper they get into the tournament, the teams will get yeah. better, competition will get better. So if they don't have yeah, enough yeah. depth, then it could be an issue. But and it's always hard to be on every night. Some exactly. Point defense needs to. So we'll see how that goes. A coach did say that I think she's going to see the doctor and have tests later this week and will determine how close she is to returning to game action. So, wish her well. Listeners, thank you very much for listening. I am getting close to uh, obtaining some sponsors. Hopefully, it'll be in time for uh, Nashville to make the announcement, have them as part of the podcast. We'll see how it all plays out there. But thank Doc once again for his insight and, and uh, he, that he adds to the podcast. We wish Walk had uh, good news listeners thank you very much for your tweets your retweets your questions um, your support and not sure when we'll be the, we'll do the next podcast but you know just stay tuned you can keep up you can listen to them on SoundCloud listen to them on iTunes find the links uh, to the podcast on HoustonRombardView.com as well as Twitter. If you follow me or Doc on Twitter, you can see the links there as well. I'm going to wrap it up as I always do. You know how it goes, listeners. You know my, my catchphrase. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.